This is Fresh Ed, a weekly podcast that makes complex ideas in educational research easily understood. I'm your host, Will Brem. Kailash Satyarthi won the 2014 Nobel Peace Prize for his activism for child's rights and education. He has been on the forefront of creating and leading global change against child labor and child slavery. When I started challenging it and we have to fight for law, it took us almost five years or six years for such a law to be enacted in India. And then we started fighting for the global law and so on. It, it was like oh that. But the rescue of this girl and other children and women and men gave me a very clear purpose of life. Mm-hmm. It brought me the clarity that this is my life. You know I'm what born you for to that. Do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm born for that. Today, I speak with Kailash about his activism and the power of civil disobedience. In the context of the global climate crisis, what can we learn from Kailash's experiences? Is there a way to mobilize humanity to fight against climate change, similar to the way in which he organized hundreds of thousands of people to fight against child labor? We have to enlarge the circles of that compassion and try to bring everyone in. That means we should have that feeling to connect the suffering of others, to feel the suffering of others as it is our own suffering and see that how we can solve that suffering of other person as it is your own suffering. So that is compassion. Compassion is not just helping someone with with kindness. Compassion is not empathy. Compassion is not sympathy. Compassion is the feeling of suffering of others as it is your own suffering. So we have to be compassionate to everyone, but we have to be compassionate to the to the planet. We have to be compassionate to the universe. Kailash Satyarthi is a children's rights activist and Nobel Peace Laureate. Kailash Satyarthi, welcome to Fresh Ed. Thank you. So in 1998, you organized and led a global march against child labor. How did you even come up with this idea? We all knew that child labor is not a localized problem of one or another country. It's a global problem. And there are factors, international factors, which are causes and consequences of this problem. Poverty of children, uh, the engagement of child labor in supply chain of the products which are produced in one country and used in many, many countries. Similarly, uh, the policies related to uh, development assistance or business policies, they affect uh, these situations which push a larger number of poor children to become child laborers or even child slaves. So it was uh, important to build a worldwide movement against child labor. And you cannot think of building a movement by sitting at home and just, uh, you know, talking on such issues. You can have good conference, but not the social movement without mobilizing people on the ground. So I decided to to march across the globe. And that was a crazy idea. Everybody said that. What are you talking about? Yeah, it must have gone. I mean, how did you even say marching was the way... For action to take place? Because I have learned from ages that all the faith leaders who were, who were the founders of Christianity or Islam or number of Hindu leaders, instead of sitting at one place or one cave, they decided to go to different places and meet the people and talk to them and 
talk about righteousness and truth and love uh, uh, so that that was helpful in india mahatma gandhi had long marches for freedom for independence and that was very successful we did organize some marches in india against child labor and for education before um conceiving the idea of the ah. worldwide march the ah, global okay. march so you had a history of so i had a history and some 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 lessons from uh, the history of the world right right and was there a moment when you realized child labor is the issue that i need to focus on was there a, like one moment that you just thought oh my gosh this is this is too big that i i need to quit my job and and do this uh well it was a gradual progression but right. there are two incidents yeah. the first day of my schooling was the first spark in my life when i saw a child my age 5 6 year old at the school gate when i was entering uh, into the school i found that child uh, this child sitting along with his father they were cobblers and looking at our feet for some job and i could not understand i i I might have seen children working before but I had never noticed so that was the sharp contrast that all of us were going with books and uh, enthusiasm and dreams and this child was looking at us for job so I asked to my teacher sir why a child is sitting yeah. outside and he said come down this is your first day make new friends and this is not uncommon that the poor children have to help the families and I said okay sir when i came back i found the child still working and every day in the morning and afternoon i saw that child working polishing shoes for children like us and that made me very upset very angry everybody my family members and everybody said that this is not uncommon it's normal it's it the way of normal life. for everyone right. so the way of life but i was not convinced i thought that if we i and my family members and my friends are going to school why not this child so one day i asked this question to to the child and his father the boy was shy but father replied he was shocked in fact and he said oh sir we never thought about it because my grandfather my father and i started working since our childhood and so is my son he said and then he stood up with folded hands in indian caste ridden society uh, those who belong to the low caste for them the people or even the children in better clothes or mm. uh, in better of conditions uh, are like higher in the hierarchy right so he stood up and he uh, with folded hands told me that sir you guys are born to go to school but we are born to work and i tell you i was i was so upset i could not understand and i started crying out of anger out of uh, uh, pain uh, out of my own mis- lack of understanding about these complex issues of caste and the the exploitation so um, i started looking the world with a different eye since mm. that day that whatever my teachers say whatever my parents say uh, may not be right ah. so the right is different than what is taught to us in the name of right because this is the age old complacency and mindset which i right. could not accept so i refused 
to accept that uh, any child is born to work at the cost of education and freedom. And then I found many more children working on the streets. I, I started seeing it as a six-year-old. Wow. And then um, I found that many of my friends left schooling because their parents could not afford syllabus books and some of them joined as child laborers. So I started collecting used books or some pocket money so that huh. we can pay the fees. and For your friends? and For the friends and families and relatives uh, uh, so that we can help those needy yeah. children. But as I grew up, uh, and my parents wanted to make me engineer. I did my engineering and I started teaching in the university. But, uh, but my passion was so deep, mm. uh, I could not leave it. I left engineering uh, one day, um, but that time nobody was working on this issue. Right. India did not have any specific law on child labor. No laws at all? No laws. There were old British laws, but they were never used. Nobody knows about those laws. Similarly, even the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child was adopted by the international community only in 1989. Right. And I am talking about 60s, 70s or early 80s. Right. So uh, much before the world woke up for the rights of right. children. Oh I started uh, thinking in my own way, not so articulated. I was not a lawyer or a social scientist. You just knew something was yeah, wrong. You knew something, something was wrong. Something didn't And we have to right. oppose it and we have to find some way out. Right. So I started a magazine that was devoted for the cause of uh, children who are most deprived and, and, and oppressed and exploited and the women and other sections of society. Like the magazine for them? For, or to, about to, them? To, to educate about them. To educate the people because they are they right. were all illiterate. They were they have never been to right, school, right. so they cannot read and write. Right. But to to other people, so the other people should be sensitized about such issues. And then one day, a desperate father knocked my door with one single aim that I should publish his story and his daughter's story. He was a Muslim guy named Vasal Khan. So Vasal told me that. He and his newly married wife were lured away when they were uh, just married to work at a brick kiln as slave laborer, and that was trafficking. So in slavery, all children were born and grew up, including 15-year-old daughter of this man. And one day they saw that this daughter was about to be sold to a brothel. Some uh, brothel agent came to, to buy her for prostitution. Somehow this deal was not materialized. And this father ran away somehow in the middle of the night oh in gosh. search of some help. And somehow he reached to me. So when I was writing this story for my journal, my magazine, I realized that if she was my daughter or my sister, what would I do? I was 26 year old or so. I decided that I'm going to go and rescue that girl instead of writing the story so that the government can take action or something can happen. How did you rescue her? So I went along with my friends and I collected some money from my wife and so on. Uh, in fact, my wife had to give her uh, wedding ornaments to organize uh, the 
the logistics we have to so you had to sell your wedding ornaments yeah exactly oh my gosh for that because right. we, we i had already given up my career right. as an engineer and i put all my money which was my saving for my magazine <laughs> so so we don't have enough money to hire a a truck a lorry to go right. all the way because he said that it was not my family but there were many more families enslaved there so when we reached there uh, this man vasal khan was caught up by the the slave master and uh, we were all thrashed badly we were beaten up and uh, i had to come empty hands my friends also came empty hands all were sad but i started thinking that uh, there should be some other way so i met a friend of mine who was a lawyer and we approached the court high court of delhi and with the help of judiciary using the old british legal regime of habeas corpus yeah we were able to rescue not only this beautiful daughter uh, like my younger sister sabo was her name 15 year old but all together 36 children women and men you were, and you freed we freed them with the help of court and that wow. was the first documented rescue operation or liberation operation of slave people anywhere in the world in the contemporary world oh by gosh. some civil civilian effort right uh, oh my so, god so how like, that was in 1981 so and how prevalent at that time was child labor and child slavery in india for instance we didn't know the the magnitude of the problem right. later on we came to know that it was huge problem yeah. child labor uh, was quite common and uh, uh since uh, no uh, study has ever been done or no because it was a non issue nobody was talking about it yeah. or knowing about it the part of life data um, yeah. so yeah so people thought that this is this is normal right right uh so when i started challenging it and we have to fight for law it took us almost 5 years or 6 years for such a law to be enacted in india and then we started fighting for the global law and so on it it was like oh that but rescue of this girl and other children and women and men gave me a very clear purpose of life mm. it brought me the clarity that this is my life you know i'm born you for that yeah. yeah i'm born for that and so this march that you ended up organizing in 1998 what effect do you think it ultimately had use it was the first ever mass mobilization against child labor mm-hmm. or for the most vulnerable children of the world which went across 103 countries and we had covered 80000 kilometers surface distance and uh, that has built a strong movement in the countries where the people uh, were not aware that this evil exists in their countries mm-hmm. people thought that okay poor children are working so it has helped in awareness building first of all secondly mobilizing political support thirdly it has helped directly in uh, the uh, the adoption of a new ilo convention on the worst forms of child labor which was our demand that there should be an international law to stop child slavery child labor child prostitution or the use of children in hazardous occupations so that was the concrete result but most importantly it has built a strong movement in the name of global march against child labor which is 
still very active across the world. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. I mean, it's quite interesting to think about how change happens. And, you know, civil disobedience and mass mobilization of civilians, basically. Everyday people yeah. marching against something that many people probably thought was just common and normal, as you said. So I want to talk a little bit more about how do you see some of the biggest challenges we face today in the world. So I'm thinking of things like climate change or the climate crisis. And, and every Friday you see these students protesting around the world. And I want to, you know, from someone who has had such an experience in mobilizing humans for social change, how do you see processes of change today? Well, of course, the climate change is, is a huge problem. It is a situation which you can call the suicidal situation where the humanity has reached to. But it is also a mindset issue, a behavioral issue, mm -hmm. of course, a political issue, economic issue. That what kind of development paradigm we have in our minds and in our lives. If the majority of humanity is striving for comforts, conveniences, consumerism, you know, uh, use of products at mass scale right. uh, that pushes the, the market economy and industrialization and then the, the water crisis and pollution, air pollution and water pollution and so on. So, are we really serious about our consumption habits that is that has to completely change our way. How much how many clothes, pairs yeah. of clothes we are using, how many right. pairs of shoes we are using? How many iPhones do how we many buy? How many iPhones we are buying or how much how much expenses we are wearing in in transportation and why right. this transportation is needed and right. why we are just enjoying uh, yeah. our life in traveling and and, and tourism and all kinds yeah. of things. All these things bring these issues right. of climate change so so we have to think about it but i'm i'm i'm, I'm not talking more on it because i'm not an expert but, on but it. how do you think that we is there a way to mobilize humanity to you know in a sense can we have a global march against climate change like is there something that would actually yeah, mobilize but, people but to that, change that, behavior that is that is that is putting on us on others mm. when we march against uh, this trend right. of climate change or yes. global warming, how much responsibility we are taking right. and we have to look at the mirror that how we are adding to global yeah. warming and, and this, this climate disaster. Yeah. If we are adding through our behavior, through our consumer habit, because then, then we have to think about it. Yeah. So, uh, we can demand the government because the governments are not serious, international community is not serious, so we have to put pressure on them. But simultaneously, we have to work for it. When mm -hmm. I started March Against Child Labor, I called upon all the marchers and the people on the way to pledge that they will not use child labor as domestic help. They are not going to use any services and products made by children. If they continue to do it and demand a law or international convention, it's that hypocrisy. is not going to help. So, yeah, yeah. so we, have to, we have to think in a deeper Right. Way. A very personal sort of how do I very live personal, in this world? How I am contributing right. to making this world mm. a better world or a worse world. Oh, right, right. So that is that is the issue. But for me, 
the bigger issues are deeper first mm. is shrinking truth the personal social political truth is shrinking that is resulting in shrinking morality mm. and the distance between what we think what we speak and what we act is growing it's widening like gulf what we speak we don't do it this is the moral crisis or moral deficit which is growing in all spheres of life in personal life social life economic life political life and so on so that is that is a serious issue so how do you see morality sort of you know thriving again how do we cultivate that sense of morality in the individual the sense of morality can be cultivated by way of recognizing two divine gifts which each one of us have one is consciousness our consciousness should lead to understanding the problems and solving the problems we have not we should not be the problem we have to be the solution mm-hmm. in our lives secondly compassion so consciousness and compassion are two two driving forces inside mm. each one of us the consciousness is again deteriorated or you know i would say polluted and this this very deep the uh, compassion is also shrinking yeah. the compassion is 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 narrowing to ourselves or to our our children or our close ones and it does not go so we have to enlarge the circles of that compassion and try to bring everyone in that mm. means we should have that feeling to connect the suffering of others to feel the suffering of others as it is our own suffering and see that how we can solve that suffering of other person as it is your own suffering so that is compassion compassion right. is not just helping someone with with kindness right. compassion is not empathy compassion is not sympathy compassion is the feeling of suffering of others at its your own suffering so we have to be compassionate to everyone but we have to be compassionate to to the to the planet we have to be compassionate to to the universe right. so we that compassion beyond being human yeah beyond being human mm-hmm. we have to be compassionate to to everyone living uh, or uh, or 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 material things right so we have to see that if something is going wrong if if the climate or the uh, the planet is suffering uh, then we have to feel that this is my suffering and then we have to have that desire and drive to change that situation of suffering of climate or the earth as it is your own suffering and the suffering of other people so we have to be compassionate and mm-hmm. we have to build our sense of consciousness and combine them together yeah. so that we can learn the morality so morality is of course uh, quite a uh, uh, quite a relative term of course uh, but uh, it is more righteousness i would say uh, that you can you can freely live without harming curtailing or jeopardizing or uh, you know affecting the freedom of other people right so right, everybody right. can live with the sense of freedom so when you look into the future today as we're sitting here in 2019 would you classify yourself as more optimistic pessimistic somewhere no, in the I'm, middle I'm, i'm very optimistic. optimistic i'm very optimistic because uh, as i said before that 40 years ago just 40 years ago child labor child slavery child trafficking were non issues 
and today they are serious issues. Only 20-30 years ago, education was not considered as a fundamental human right. Today, education is not only the fundamental human right, but it it is considered as the key of liberation. It is the key to liberation. It is key to justice. It is key to equality. It is key to peace. So the perception about education has completely changed in the last mm-hmm. three decades or so. It is not a long history. And um, we are witness to it, but we also played some role in, in, in changing that situation. So I'm optimistic that uh, this is a cycle of, of, of history which sometimes goes up and down, sometimes... Uh, it goes up to so self-esteem and the esteem of, uh, of, of society goes up and sometimes goes down. There are challenges like, uh, the, like the democracy is in danger. There are challenges, the morality is in danger. There are challenges that this popularism, the neo-nationalism, the ultra-rightist uh, forces are emerging and, and becoming stronger. But these things are not uh, or never long-lasting. These things are just come and then go uh, because eventually truth will prevail. Eventually the justice will prevail. Righteousness will prevail. Humanity will prevail. Peace will prevail. Whatever fight or uh, 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 violence you will have, but eventually you will have to sit on the table and find the solution to those problems of violence and, and wars. You have to sit on the table as human being. So the humanity prevails. And uh, so these things uh, uh, will disappear uh, sooner or later. Uh, we have to be a change agent. So that phase is evaporated or is, uh, is, is gone as soon as possible. Well, Kailash Satyarthi, thank you so much for joining Fresh Ed. It really was a pleasure of talking today. My pleasure. Thank you. Kailash Satyarthi is a children's rights activist and Nobel Peace Laureate. Today's episode was put together in collaboration with Education International. A transcript of today's interview can be found at freshedpodcast.com. Please note that opinions expressed on FreshEd are solely those of the host or the guest interviewed, not FreshEd, which takes no institutional position. If you've liked what you've heard today, please consider rating us on iTunes. It really does help. FreshEd's producers are Sherry Yang, Hong Zong, and Lushik Waba. Fatih Akhtas is our researcher, and Ing Jung Cho is our content developer. Original music for Fresh Ed was created by Digital Primate. Thanks for listening. I'm Will Brem, and I'll be back next week. <laughs>